Luke this morning. Um, the title is Change Your Focus. Um, it came to, occurred to me when I was reading Luke chapter 8. I would just read a few verses from there. Where Jesus Christ is approached to bring deliverance. In Luke chapter 8, verse 41. Behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet. And besought him that he would come into his house, for he had one, had one only daughter of about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. So... A pretty emotional situation for this man. His daughter is dying. Um, only daughter is dying. And so a lot of times in these records, you, you, you sometimes don't see the emotion that's involved. But this guy, you know, it's his daughter. She's dying. It's his only daughter. So he approaches Jesus Christ. And then and right after this, as you're well aware, uh, Jesus Christ ends up healing another woman. And so pick up the record after that other healing. In verse 49. So while he yet spake, after he had just finished healing this other lady, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. So, you know, he already was probably pretty emotional about his daughter. And so he came to her, came, he came to, and, this, and while he was on his way, the guy, the other guy comes to him and says, Don't, don't worry, don't bother her. She's dead already. And this is what I was thinking about. Well, those kind of situations where you have information that comes at you, uh, and it happens pretty regularly, uh, are interesting situations to consider how to handle. And Jesus Christ, obviously, the best at handling these situations. Let's see how he handled this one. Verse 15, But when Jesus heard it, the information this other guy brought, he answered him, saying, Fear not. He told the man, Jairus, Fear not. Believe only, and she shall be made whole. You know, and so now you have the option. Prior to this, there was no option. You know, the, the lady, the, 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 the woman, the daughter was dead. And the guy said, don't worry, don't worry, don't bother Jesus anymore. She's dead. And then this, you know, Jesus Christ says right away, he says, fear not, believe only. So now you have two sources of information, you know. And let's see what happens. Verse 51. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save, James, save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. More information. Knowing that she was dead. So you have all kinds of information happening here. And he put them all out, which is great advice many times, and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged him that they should tell no man what was done. See, it was the fact that um, this new information came to the man, and I was thinking about that. You know, uh, changing, uh, change your focus. And um, I was, I was thinking about you know, did you ever watch a really, really scary movie? I'm sure everybody's watched something. You know, and, and maybe, maybe, well, as nature is of scary movies. It was probably a movie that took place a lot in the dark. You, know, you ever notice all them? They never have bright sunshine. It's always foggy or dark or something. And so maybe the, the, the movie took place in a house, which is quite common too. Right? 
So you know, if you're and if you watch the movie, maybe an hour, hour and a half, hour long these things are, and they have the music, like the, the the very very strong music that scares you and gets you going and all that. And then after you watch it, maybe it was about people coming in through windows and with knives and I don't know, whatever scares people. But did you ever did you ever did you ever um, uh, did it ever happen to you that after you watch that movie, maybe it's late in your house and you go downstairs for a cup of tea or coffee, and it's dark in the house. Did you ever get a little bit nervous after having watched that movie about what could happen to you? Now, you know, and, and, and the interesting thing there is that if you hadn't watched that movie, mm -hmm. you would never think that. You would never, that would never even cross your mind to feel nervous or worried about anything. And so, you know, I was just thinking that uh, the, 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 the challenge or the opportunity to change your focus in any situation is entirely up to you. But there are a couple of things that go on. Look at this. Look at Isaiah chapter 36 that impact this. And this is something we deal with on a regular, daily basis because as you're well aware, there is no shortage to the sources of information <laughs> that are out there. Isaiah 36, verse 1, I came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the defense cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish to Jerusalem unto King Hezekiah with a great army. And he stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway of the fuller's field. Then came forth unto him Eliakim, Hilkiah's son, which was over the house in Shebna the scribe, and Joah, Asaph's recorder, son the recorder. And Rabshakeh said unto them, Say ye not Hezekiah, thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this wherein thou trustest? I say, thou, but they are but a vain words, just nonsense. I have counsel and strength for war. Now in whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against thee? Lo, thou trustest in this the staff of this broken reed on Egypt, whereon if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all that trust in him. You guys are in a bad situation. You know, don't tell him you're trusting in Pharaoh. It's a waste of time. Don't even try that. But if thou say to me, on the other hand, verse 7, we trust in the Lord our God, well, we, let's, let's deal with that issue. Is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away? Was that true? Mm -hmm. Had Hezekiah taken away the altars that went for God? No. It's just information. That's the whole point of information. It doesn't have to be accurate. It's just information. Right? He said to Judah, said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar? Now, verse 8. Therefore, give pledges, I pray thee, to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give thee two thousand horses, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. But let me help you out. You know, you, can, you can't trust in Egypt. You can't trust in Hezekiah's God, whoever he's talking about, whoever that God is. And let, let me help you. You can trust me. You give me two thousand of your men, I'll give them soldiers. I'll even help you make an army to go against us. It's all information, interesting information. Now, verse 9. Now, when thou, when then, how then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? More information. Am I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said unto me, the true God, go up against this land and destroy it. 
more information. I mean, it's just, you know, one thing after another. And the thing is, Hezekiah and you know, the other men, gentlemen here and all the people have to deal with the information. You have to deal with it. It's, it's, it's coming at them. Verse 11, Then said Elikim and Shedna and Joah unto Rabshika, and they, they understood this, Speak, I pray thee, unto thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it, and speak not to us in the Jews' language in the ears of the people that are on the wall. He goes, you know, they don't need to hear this. <laughs> they understand what, what was going on. But Rabshika said, Hath my master sent me to thy master, and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men that sit upon the wall? This information is targeting them, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you? You know, uh, not a wonderful change of diet there for these men. Then Rabshikah stood up and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and said, Hear ye the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver us, this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and eat ye every one of his own vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one of the waters of his own cistern. Now more information, now he's giving them, if you come with us, you're going to have your own place to eat, food, drink, wine, don't worry about it. You know, um, until I come, verse 17, and take you away to a land like your own, a land of corn and wine, a land of beautiful, you know, you guys be so blessed. Beware, lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad, god of Sepharvim, and have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of these lands that have delivered their, their lands out of my hand? The Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. But, and this is interesting, they held their peace and answered him not a word. This is, a, this is a pretty incredible record, if you think about it. All these men, they heard all this stuff. They answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. You know, the thing about information is this. There are two places where you can block information from impacting you. The first one is having it come to you at all. You can decide what information you're going to let into your mind on a regular basis. That's one place. The second place is, once the information comes in, you can choose whether you're going to entertain it or you're not going to entertain it. Now, you don't always have control over the first one, like these people here in, in uh, uh, Hezekiah's time. They didn't have a choice. These guys came, and the information was being blasted at them. Did they have a, no, they had to hear it. That one, you don't always have control over. You have some control. You can decide what you turn on, what you turn off, what you read, what you don't watch, what you watch and what don't watch. You can decide that some effect, but there's so much. But the thing that you always, always, always have control over is the, that whether you entertain the information or not. Do you think about it? Do you take it to its 
inevitable conclusion? Do you wonder about all the ramifications of it, all the bad things it could do to you? All the, that you have absolute control over. And here in this case, he goes, they did not even respond to the guy. Because Hezekiah said, don't you dare respond to them. They listen to him. They listen to him. You can decide whether you're going to change your focus on the situation or not. It's up to you. Now, like I said, the information, it's going to come. You know, we call it the fiery darts of the adversary sometimes. The information will come. You can decide whether you're going to entertain it or not. Can you think or list the number of benefits that you have ever derived in your life from worrying about something? Can you list them on a chart here? Here's all the list of all the benefits that I've derived from worrying about something. There isn't one that I can think of, you know. So why entertain the information? Um, I think I might have shared this before in fellowship, but I'll, I'll, I'll share it again. You know, this this whole this whole very very simple example of a of a baby and a mom. I think we talked about this before, but just to bring it up again, you know, if you had if you had a if you had a baby carriage. Um, and a mom going along, or uh, you know, and, and let's say that mom was in a situation where there was a mouse in the house, uh, and she's very very scared of the mouse. The same mouse was put inside the baby carriage. I think she would crush that mouse with bare hands. Why? Because hmm. it's it's what you decide to do. What what is your change of focus? What is important to you in that situation? What is it that you want to get out of the situation? Where do you want to take your mind? What do you want to focus on? In Psalm chapter one. The benefits of focusing on the right things in life, I mean, there's, you know, as opposed to the wrong things, like worry and these things, are so many. In Psalm chapter 1. Verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. See, so this person here, the you know, this man who delights in the law of the Lord, he meditates day and night. So don't, that's what his focus is in life, is to think about the word of God day and night. The result, verse 3, And he shall be, because of this, like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I, I assure you, if you seek for the prosperity first in whatever you're doing, without focusing on God and the things of God, there is no guarantee of it. But God's word says, if you delight in his word, you delight, that's the, that's the focus of your life, blessing and prosperity. If you seek, as we used to say, seek the blesser first, the blessings follow. If you seek the blessings, there's no assurance. In Psalm 119, and when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, why, why would I ever want to, why would I choose to focus on information that would lead to anxiety or fear or trepidation, anger or impatience or whatever it is, when I always have the option to focus on the information that can lead to peace and blessing and prosperity 
and you know all, all the various and look at the few all the many many blessings that focusing on the right information will bring and guaranteed and backed and guaranteed by the faithful true God in uh, Psalm 119 verse 105 it says the oh, let's see what I'm looking at the wrong verse thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path verse 130 the entrance of thy words giveth light it giveth understanding unto the simple so focusing on God's word leads to light if you want to know which way to go a lamp is very useful isn't it a lamp so the word bible says the word of god is a lamp it's a light so if i want to know if i focus on this it says it will direct my path and he will direct my path and it's a light so why would i choose to not focus on this kind of information no good reason i can think of verse 165 the same same psalm great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them great peace so if i love god's word his law his word it says that i have access to great peace so would i want to focus on information regularly that leads to great peace don't you don't don't people want peace in their lives peace yeah of course so we have the option I can choose. Or I can allow to let information in that will disturb that peace that is not from God and the things of God. And there's plenty of that around. You know, Rabshika there was an example of the kinds of information. And by and large, much of that information that he presented was a lie, wasn't it? It wasn't even close to being true. And that doesn't matter. That's not the point of information. The point is to disturb your peace. That's the whole point. It's to disturb the believer's peace in trusting God. And God says, well, if you don't want that disturbed, just focus on the truth, the Word of God, and you will have great peace. In Psalm, uh, same, same Psalm, verse 9. Let's go 119, verse 9. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? So, good question. You know, how can a person... A young man, how can a young man cleanse or, or make sure that the way he follows is the right way? Well, there's two ways to do that. One way is say, well, I'm going to do my best to follow the right way. I'm going I'm to I'm follow, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow the right way. The other way to do it is by what? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11 says the same thing. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. I could choose to say, God, I'm not going to sin against you. I'm going to do whatever I can not sin against you. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. Or, I can hide his word in my heart, and then what does it say? Then I won't sin against him. See, focusing on the right information leads to the results that people want. Do you want peace? Do you don't want to sin against God? Do you want a light in your life? Then focusing on this information, choosing to change your focus when it's disturbed by anything, is, is what God exhorts us to do. In on verse 50, a couple more verses in this area. Chapter, uh, chapter 119, verse 50. It says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Verse 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. 
So you know what it says there? It says that affliction comes to all, right? It does. Affliction comes. And he says, you know, I, if I hadn't had the word in that situation, I would have perished. So, you know, in a situation like that, you have the option to focus or change our focus to what the Word of God says. Whatever information that might be causing you disturbance in life, whatever it is, you can choose your... You can choose to get your mind off that and focus on what God's Word says. And that's a day-by-day, minute-by-minute, every single day of your life decision that you can have full control over. Total and absolute control. If you say, I don't have control over my mind, we need to talk later about that. In Psalm 19, back a hundred psalms to that. Psalm 19. Verse 7, Psalm 19. We read this last time. We are looking at the firm rock, but let's read it again. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous together. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. I mean, could you say much more for the word of God than the word of God says for itself? You know, do, do you, it says here, it says, converts the soul, makes wise the simple, rejoices the heart, enlightens the eyes. It's a warning to keep us on the straight and narrow, and also in keeping them, by the way, there's also great reward. You see the benefits of focusing on the right information? What benefits they are? I mean, we're only looking at a few verses. The Word of God is full of the multitudinous benefits of focusing on the correct thing in life. Just like that man, you know, when his daughter was about to die. Jesus admits, don't, fear not. Don't think about what that, what that person just said. Think about this. Believe God. You see how a shift in that man's focus led to his daughter being brought to life again. That's pretty incredible. So what can a shift in your thinking, my thinking, in the very situations of life result in when we're shifting to that which God says we should have our focus on? In Proverbs chapter four, chapter four, Proverbs chapter four. There's a few verses here on what it takes to change your focus and to keep it changed. As you may well have imagined, it's not always easy. <laughs> Nor should we expect it to be easy. The things that are worth doing in life aren't always easy. But certainly, if it's worth taking a little bit of work to lead to blessings, prosperity, light, you know, all the various things we looked at, then we shouldn't be surprised. Verse 20 of chapter 4. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. You see all those verbs? I, mean, I know we looked at it before at some point, but 
it says attend, attend, attentive, incline, you know, your ear, you put your hand over your ear, say, what was that again? Incline, incline, you lean over and listen. Don't let them depart from that, which means to keep them in the midst of thine heart. Don't let them depart from thine eyes. Don't let them depart from thine eyes. Oh, I'm thinking, but don't let them depart from thine eyes. But what, what happens if this happens? Don't let them. You see, it's, it's, it's a constant, constant challenge to combat the information that will lead to doubt, worry, fear, anxiety, trepidation, all these things. It's a constant struggle, constant battle. If it isn't, you live in a different world than I do. It's a constant battle. So God says, I know that. I know. I know. So then he encourages us. He says, incline thy, you know, let them, don't depart, keep them in the midst of thy heart. Verse 22, for they are life unto those that find them and health to their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. What is he talking about? He's talking about your mind. Not talking about your ticker talking about your mind the deepest part of your mind out of which all the issues of life flow god says you keep that with all diligence you keep your focus on the right things in life don't go after the things of life focus on the things that i've told you to focus on and the things of life are just a natural outcourse of focusing on the right stuff in matthew chapter 6 matthew Chapter 6. Verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And then we know that word means, it's a word that means anxious thought. And take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither they reap, nor gather into barn, that your heavenly Father feedeth them. I'd like to say around this house, we've been helping our heavenly Father with your bird feeders. <laughs> Are you not much better than they? The fellow laborers of God. Verse 27, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What an example, what a great stark contrast. Wherefore God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? You know, those are things that are regular and daily concerns. Verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. It's what the nations, it's what the nations of the world. That's that is the focus of the nations of the world. That is the focus. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? You know, that, so Jesus Christ said, No, don't be like everybody else, and that's their main focus in life. So his encouragement to change change our focus but see for your father the heavenly father knoweth that you have need of these things but so what's the change seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness 
see that change, that total stark change of focus on what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and the things that are causing me anxiety, worry, and doubt, and fear, and anxious thoughts about, you know, what am I going to do, what's going to happen tomorrow, or, you know, he says, so, that's what everybody thinks about. Change your thoughts, change your, change your focus to the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and guess what? All the things you were worried about and concerned about and focusing on, they're going to be added to you. It's sort of exactly like what we read in Psalms. You want to cleanse your way? Well, don't, don't concentrate on cleansing your way. Concentrate on God's law. You want prosperity? Don't concentrate on prosperity. Concentrate on, on meditating in God's word. And let him guide you into what, what you want. And this is exactly along the same lines. See, listen, everybody in the world is caught up in that. That's what their focus in life is. Focus in life of everybody in the world generally is whatever the mainstream thinking wants it to be. You and I have the option. We always have the option. Like I said before, you don't have the option of always letting in what's coming towards you, but you definitely have the option of what it is you're going to entertain and what the results that you want in your life, where you want them to go. Verse 34, take no thought, anxious thought, for even tomorrow. It's not here yet. You know tomorrow never gets here. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. God is still going to be there tomorrow. He's still going to bless you tomorrow. There's enough to think about today. And today, he says, concentrate and think and seek the kingdom of God. We'll close in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. You know, with the work of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us, um, there has brought what I call, like to call the ultimate focus shift <laughs> to our lives. You know, since, since he accomplished all that and all that's now available to the Christian believer because of the work of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If the word if is since. Since ye then be risen with Christ. Since we've been risen, we've been risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Our citizenship is in heaven. The body of Christ is a reality and we've been translated into the kingdom of God. So God says because you're there now, seek those things. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your affection. You know what that means? <laughs> it means that. It means you actually make up your mind that what you love, what you have, are affectionate about, that what you treasure, what you consider to be important, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Things above. That is what I call the ultimate focus shift. To take your mind off the things of the world, the things that are above where Christ sits. On the right hand. For your life is hid with Christ, verse 3 says. Life is hid with Christ in God. And Christ, who is our life, shall appear and we're going to also appear with him in glory. So the return of Christ is always imminent. And certainly, you know, that provides us enough material on which to set our focus and our affection to combat the constant barrage of other things the world might want us to have our focus on. It's to focus on God and his word, the things of God. And look at all the many, many, many blessings that God promises when we keep our minds and hearts on His, His faithfulness, you know, His His goodness, His grace, His mercy, the light of His word, 
and, and the blessings it brings to us. Like I said, we're always in control of the information we entertain, but we're not always in control of the information that comes to us, even though I do have some, some choice in that, don't I? So we do our best, but when it comes to get coming into our mind, we can say, just like those guys did in Hezekiah's day, they did not even answer him a word. I'm not even going to give it the light of day. I'd rather give it the light of God's word. And so let's, let's make sure our focus is where it needs to be.